You're listening to the Wine and Whiteboards podcast. We're a team of five badass women who will be our sommeliers to the marketing world. We work and whiteboard together at our nine to five every day in B2B marketing. We're a small, scrappy team that's picked up a few secret hacks along the way, and we want to share our crazy ideas with you. Let's call it an anything but ordinary guide to marketing and design. From Chardonnay to Rosé, we've got your marketing tips and design tips. Now that's worth raising a glass to you. So grab your favorite vino and join us. Hi, everybody. It's our first Wine and Whiteboards podcast episode. We are so excited that you chose to listen to us out of all the other podcasts that you possibly could have chosen. Um, to kick us off for our first episode, I'm going to dive right in. I want to introduce you to our badass team. We are a group of five women that make up a B2B marketing team, and we all play very different roles on this team. And we started this podcast because we want to share some of the things we've learned. So to kick it off, I'm going to share with you how the team got to where we are today. And then we'll dive into some of the things that we've done to kind of share with you why maybe you should listen to us and why we kind of know what we're talking about. At least we think so in some regards. So when we started, let's take us back to 2015 when really it got to the point where I was a team of one at some point. And we were, I was quickly joined by Sarah, who is our marketing lead. And not long after that, we brought on Paige as an intern, which is absolutely crazy because now she's with us full time. But Paige is our designer. And then we had probably a couple year gap where we brought on Katie back in 2018. And Katie is also one of our marketing leads. And then it took us probably a couple more years to figure out that training kind of has a place within marketing. So we brought on Kelly and Kelly's our newest team member as of 2019. So all of us working together is a lot of fun and we want to share everything that we've learned together as well as kind of our team dynamic and how we how we interact together and get things done on a regular basis at our nine to five jobs. So without further ado, I'll kick it over to Paige to share with you some of the things that we've that we've accomplished. Yeah, so here's some of the top things that you might want to know before we dive in. Like we've redesigned five plus websites in the B2B market world. And we've brought together two brands through a merger and built a unified company strategy while keeping both of those brands alive. We've also built a summit from the ground up with an incredible community. The summit's in its fourth year and has grown in attendance by 20% year over year. We've learned a thing or two about events along the way. We've also mastered how to provide training and communication strategies for a variety of audiences and ages. And then not to put the cherry on top, but we have worked to build a sustainable content management strategy that works for a small marketing team. And we also believe it can work for a big marketing team. And it's effective at lead generation and building that community that Sarah mentioned. So at the end of the day, why, like, who are we? What's our backgrounds? What do we do on a regular basis? So we thought, why not kick it off with a fun wine quiz to start? After all, this is all about wine, and I think each of us have a glass here next to us. So I'm going to let Katie start by sharing some of the things that she focuses her time on and also which wine matches her personality. We're definitely going to recommend you take this quiz, by the way. Yeah, definitely take the quiz and let us know if you agree with the wine that describes you 
and why or why not? Um, so my main focuses in my day to day are lead generation, both for an enterprise level as well as a smaller, more segmented scale and lots of email communications, everything from like formal announcements to event invites to um, adoption for sales and things like that. Name it, we've probably done it. And then events and trade shows. And that means everything that goes along with those events and trade shows. So like booth strategy, sponsorships, swag, lots of swag <laughs> um, and everything like that. So the wine that I got after taking the quiz was Sauvignon Blanc. It's a versatile wine that goes with lots of different foods and tastes drastically different depending on where the grapes are grown. So it says that I should have a multifaceted personality and I should surprise people with my hobbies and skills. So um, I'm also sophisticated and it says that I have great taste from food to fashion. I do get a lot of compliments on my style and my fashion, so I feel like that part's true. Not quite sure about the interest of like, or hobby and skills and if I surprise people with that. During quarantine, I may have picked up a new interest. Um, I've been really into birds recently. <laughs> coincidentally, lots of birds have been in my life since quarantine started. So I have these nesting ducks in my front yard and I'm expecting a child coming in July. And there's also there's this bird's nest in my front yard. So I feel like me and this duck have kind of taken a liking. I put up a sign for all of our delivery people to leave her alone. And then I also was like catching myself watching this bird documentary on Netflix. I think it's called like Dancing with Birds. I don't know. And now I have this bird feeder outside my window that's supposed to be for my cat, but I feel like I might be enjoying it more than she is. So I don't know. Maybe that's surprising to people. Kitty, I was going to say you are very fashionable. However, on this call, you told us that you're looking for tie dye, which <laughs> I've never considered super fashionable. I mean, <laughs> maybe it's coming back with what are those kids, girls called? The Bisco Girls. But you're also wearing a bluer pink tracksuit, which reminded me of Mean Girls. And I don't know. I mean, you're still very stylish. And even in your, what are you, third trimester right now? Yep. She's a cool mom to be. <laughs> yeah, I'm a cool mom to be. And tie-dye is coming back. It's all the rage. Um, it's been sold out on all the websites for the past two months. So I paid more than I'm proud of for my, my little tracksuit I have. <laughs> Overall, I feel like Katie's wine description matches her very well. Like that, the sophisticated, great taste. Aren't you also in not only birds? I mean, I didn't know about the birds. That's very funny. But are you also making pasta? Yes, I've taken up making homemade pasta during quarantine. Um, have not mastered it yet. It is very difficult. I seem to always overcook it or undercook it. But I think I need to buy double zero flour. I've been using all purpose. Um, I don't know what double zero. What's the difference? Yeah, yeah, I don't know what that is. I have no idea, but all the Italian people on YouTube tell me that I need it. So <laughs> <laughs> they must be right. Hot yeah. tips out there, everyone. Yeah, so that's enough about me. Let's move on to Charlotte. All right. So uh, you probably already heard my voice quite a bit. Uh, I introduced the team. Uh, so overall, I focus on our marketing strategy for all of the markets that we serve. I also have an emphasis on partnerships and how we work with other organizations 
to get our product and our value proposition in front of our prospects and including those that we work with. Um, and uh, for those who haven't figured it out yet, I am the leader of the team. So I place a high level of emphasis and value on how I lead and how I mentor. Um, and I have the pleasure of working with all these wonderful women every single day, um, which is obviously a lot of fun, as you can tell, and we are a very close team. So I got Cabernet Savion. Um, it's, the description is that I am deep, dark, and full of intense aromas. Um, Savion Cabernet is the king of red wines. Similarly, that's a hard word. Similarly? There you go. Similarly. Nope. <laughs> Similarly? <laughs> can someone help me? That's so hard. You guys know what I'm trying to say. We might be a glass of wine in at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it says, you're a natural leader. Because you're so self-assured and confident, you capture people's attention and draw them to you. Sound kind of creepy, actually. Yeah, <laughs> but this is so true because you have created this, like, cult following of women and everyone wants Charlotte to be their mentor. So, I don't know. It is very true. I feel like you're getting asked by our HR team all the time to mentor more people and have, like, no time on your calendar to do it. But you're very popular. Yeah, your yeah. personality is very much of, like, a very empathetic leader and you like to listen you're very good at like hearing and trying to solve problems so that's really a good skill of yours and I think that's why we all really love you as a leader and we probably would never like continue without you as our leader to be oh, honest you guys are so sweet problem solving and education and being a mentor gives you the opportunity for both of those so that is true they follow you for good reason you're popular for good I like to say, Charlotte, it says your Cabernet Sauvignon is the king of red wines, but I'd like to say that you're the queen of marketing. I think we should probably go on to Sarah. All right. Well, so I do marketing, obviously, and I focus my time on content creation, um, event management, creating engaging experiences managing our prospect database and monthly email communications. Kind of like Katie was saying, like think blog digest, events, workshops, webinars, like I could go on and on. It feels like communications never really stop when you're in the marketing world. And the wine that I got when I took the quiz was the Chardonnay. So Chardonnay nay, as I'd like to say. Um, I think it accurately describes me. If I read it, it says you're the type of person who I was coming in first and you're a bit of an overachiever, but in a good way. For you, life always seems to fall right into place. It probably has to do with your positive attitude and commitment to everything you do. So, I mean, I'd say that I do a lot, but it, so does everyone on our team. So I think it really could describe everyone. The positive attitude just makes me jump to something that one of our coworkers has described you as, as giving them happy little bubbles. And that <laughs> probably stuck with me for years because it was the most like true statement I've heard of you. You just make people smile and your infectious laughter. So that is definitely a Sarah attribute right there. And um, also the commitment to everything you do. Um, there may or may not have been an instance of Sarah chasing down a UPS truck to get packages <laughs> to her event on time after UPS was done collecting today or for the day. Um, and it may or may not have happened twice. 
So I don't think we'll dive into the full story right now, but we promise to share it with you eventually. Oh, you guys make me blush. <laughs> Basically, all you have to do is envision Sarah, this bubbly little marketer, running after a UPS truck. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure it was raining, too. Was it that. raining? I'm pretty sure the tears were coming down my face. <laughs> <laughs> Just take my package. But you are committed to getting those package on the truck, those packages on the truck, and that's what matters. Yeah, every one of us have admitted that none of us would have done that. We would have been like, sorry, it just won't get there in time, but Sarah will make sure it is done. Um, is it bad that that's how I'm going to measure any future marketers on our team? Like, would no. you be willing in this scenario? <laughs> like option A, B, or C. And if it's not chasing a, down, a truck down, like, I don't know what you're doing out here. She you gets have it to it ultra-ended, Sarah. You have to give them the scenario and then leave it open-ended and say, how would you approach this? How would you have reacted? <laughs> Great interview question. Let, let's get that one in the in the books. <laughs> <That's hilarious. laughs> I think it's time <laughs> to move on and meet Kate, Kelly. Well, my background is um, providing all of our training, which also leads to user experiences, both in person and online, which is kind of especially important in this world of quarantine right now. So I also got Savignon Blanc like Katie did, except for the things that really draw her to that wine. Mine are like the complete opposite. So people don't really come to me for fashion advice and I'm not making my own homemade pasta. <laughs> but I do think that um, the user experiences and you know being able to deal with a lot of different people that goes with the versatile wine and I do have a lot of hobbies and different skills. So I think that that can play into it a little bit more. So where Katie was not as high in it, those that's where I pick up. And then where she's high, I'm low to, you know, balance it out and make it nice and even. You yeah, we have to balance it. So maybe like your grapes were from like Italy and mine are from like Napa or something like that. Sure. <laughs> Although, oh do you God. think that's, I don't know, I feel like whatever one is not the better <laughs> climate is where mine came from. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, no. <laughs> you could no, be a different year. I'm very jealous of, like, your dog paw print painting. I wish that I was doing things like that. Home I, know, I just, um, I have one that I finished um, for my bathroom, and it's a sign that says, please seat yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, I'm quite excited because I'm getting, is it a cricket or a cry cut? I don't know what you call it, but whatever it is. I called it a cricket. Okay. I was calling it a cricket. I called it a cry cut. I thought it was a cry cut. I think it's not crafty. Mine's supposed to come this week, and I'm so excited because I'm going to join you in the crafting world now. Uh, Paige, I feel like we should probably introduce you. Yeah. So That's for last. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if you guys didn't realize, I am the designer of the group. Um, I dance between both B2B and B2C markets because I work nine to five and I do freelance as my side hustle. Um, so in my day to day, I focus on branding, websites, collateral, pack design, I could go on. Um, I essentially turn all of the team's crazy ideas into reality and make things quote unquote look pretty. Um, I've had some pretty amazing opportunities come my way in the last couple of years. Um, I won't name drop, um, but I, I've really enjoyed being a designer. I don't know. I don't know if I would do anything else. So um, diving into what my um, wine is, 
I am Pinot Noir, which is probably one of my favorite wines, um, but I don't necessarily agree with my uh, description. So it says, I am one of the most approachable wines. You're super adaptable and easygoing. You have lots of different friend groups and are always making the best of whatever situation you're thrown into. So I think approachable is probably the most. Um, <laughs> Paige might suffer from something you would call a resting bitch face. Like she does not always seem the most approachable at first. When Paige first started, I feel like we were kind of afraid of you. You were like in your corner desk and Sarah and I would be like, should we go, like, is it okay? Is Paige okay? Is everything okay? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. I've been told this my entire life and people are afraid of me until they know me. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much me to a T. I think that this could just be a fault in this branding because Pinot Noir is not an approachable wine if you are new to the wine game. So I think that they need to switch up their description and then it would fit you better. I feel like you should tell us, didn't your mom just sign you up for graphic design randomly and somehow that became your career? Yeah, she, so my mom's an accountant. Um, she and my dad are both math people. I have never been gifted with that skill. I pretty much failed like middle school through high school and then I got my, um, my stuff together in college, we should say. Uh, she signed me up in high school senior year for a graphic design class. So I kind of jumped into it at the beginning of like it moving into um, digital. So I was very lucky to be like, hey, I actually really like this. I know what I'm going to do going into college versus many, many people who still don't know what they want to do in their careers. So I was kind of, um, I kind of fell into it, I, we should say. <laughs> And I know Paige said she wasn't going to name drop, and we will not name drop, but Paige has had the opportunity to work on some very, oh, how should we describe it? Like cool, big, exciting, maybe related to celebrity kind of projects. Um, so guarantee, or not guarantee, because I can't guarantee anything, but chances are you've probably seen this celebrity or a few celebrities that she has been connected with. Well, on that note, maybe we should share the top five reasons we wanted to start this podcast, because we didn't start this for all of you listening to hear us ramble about spilling the tea and, you know, I don't even know what else. We just talked birds. We talked about birds. <laughs> uh, we did not create this podcast to talk about birds. But we really do have legitimate reasons why we started this podcast. And reason number one is because marketers add value. And I think too often people wonder what marketers do. And the truth behind it is like we're, we're communicators, we're educators, we're helpers. We inspire and we support the organization. And I think that's not talked about enough. So we wanted to talk about it. Yeah, and marketers are often known as communicators, but also we sometimes are known as the people who make things look pretty. Um, and so we like to set the record straight that we actually do a lot more than just making things look pretty and you know functional, whatever. We have a lot of intention behind what we do, and we use data to make sure that our decisions are important and valuable for our time. Yeah, and I don't think people realize that 
there is so much strategy that goes into everything we do. Like if someone's making a request for like an email communication or collateral, the way you word something and speak to your different audiences is so important. Like we'll read something a hundred times and change it a hundred times to make sure that it's going to be effective. It's not as simple as just throwing some words on paper. And I feel like I've heard the word like, email blast so many times but like like so much thought goes into it i feel like the word i don't know email blast doesn't doesn't really do enough so i think we can dive into number two and that's real life experience um you don't really know what marketing is until you start and i don't know i always say that i didn't really learn a lot about marketing when i was in school um i learned the most about it when i got immersed into a marketing team and worked with other people every day I think it's important to note that it's okay if you didn't go to school for marketing too. Like I consider myself an organic marketer and everything I've learned has been on the nine to five job in the last five years. And it's okay to switch your career and try something new. Like you're never too old to start again or become an early careerist, even if you're later in your career. And even if you did go to school for it, I went to art school. I majored in, I had a bachelor of fine arts in graphic design. I thought I knew the ins and outs. Um, when I graduated, I had to learn on the, my feet. I didn't know what or how to talk to a client. I didn't know how to set pricing, work with vendors. There were so many things that I've learned in the last five to six years of graduating that is because of experience. Paige, wasn't there something you were telling me about how like you didn't even learn how to like set up something for print? in college, like, which seems to me like something that they would teach graphic designers in school. Like, here's how you set up a document to print with a printing vendor. And like, yep. that to me is insane. It was more about expressing yourself and being artistic and, you know, all of that more than the functionality of, okay, this has to print, this has to print correct. Um, how am I gonna do this? How do I talk to a vendor? There's so many questions that you have to kind of figure out. So I think we've, our entire team have been very good at learning on the go and having those real life experiences to educate us. Kind of talked about how like doctors and nurses, a lot of times you have to go and do a specialization and actually try out the career. Or I mean, you're pretty far in at that point, <laughs> but you get to try it right and learn what actually happens in a hospital on a daily basis. And I don't think for marketing that you get to do that to that degree. Um, so hopefully we give people a little more taste of, of what it is like to be in marketing on a daily basis. I will say there's one story that I always think of when I talk, when I think about like pages, like school experience. And we were kind of talking about that. I think they taught you very well and gave you the real world um, experience on what it's like to receive feedback. Because that's one area I don't think people get a lot of training in especially very early in their career until they are thrown into a workplace but i mean Paige, correct me if i'm wrong you guys used to have to go around and critique people's like artwork and basically like rip it apart right like yeah you're exactly right on a weekly basis we would have to create designs and in front of 30 plus people we would get critiqued everyone around the room would go around and say what they liked what they didn't like some people were pretty harsh um, so you have to understand how to receive feedback and give feedback, which is still something I think people learn in the real world and outside of school and still struggle with. I mean, I'm still learning on a day-to-day -day basis too. So I think that was a huge value add to my college. And we actually had so many things as to 
learning on the fly that I, I really recept- was receptive to. And that's probably a perfect segue to like reason number three why we started the podcast. So reason number three is it like we're always learning. And like I think marketers are always people who should be learning or wanting to learn because our world changes really fast and the demographics and people that we have to get to know. And I think it's about even taking inspiration from outside of the marketing realm and saying, how does this apply to us or what does this mean? Like for me, it's been awesome to read like books and listen to podcasts and like Audible has been a godsend, like being able to take long walks and drives and listen to books and then They can be books not related to marketing, but then taking that and figuring out how to apply it to my marketing life or what that means for creating a mission and a vision um, for a company is something that kind of helps you level up um, because you're finding ways to kind of translate the inspiration from all areas of your life. And I know one of my previous jobs really taught me that like it's all connected. It was a super hippy dippy nonprofit, but the one thing I took away from that place was that it's all connected and nothing's created in a vacuum. So you can take lots of inspiration from sources outside of your industry or area of expertise. And I think we want to share how we've been able to do that. I will add to this too that as being the new person on the marketing team, I was that person who didn't understand fully everything that went into marketing before I joined the team. And I did just think that you just made things pretty. So now I fully understand that a lot more things go into just making it look pretty. So it has been a truly eye-opening experience to be a part of a team, the marketing team to see where it starts and where it ends from you know that point going on there and understand everything that goes into it. It also helps to have different backgrounds on our team so that we are always learning from everybody else to see what's going to work and what's going to be better, you know, moving up and have ideas to branch and move on to other and better things coming. Well, and I think like there's a level of certain skill sets that come along with marketing as you get immersed in it. Like I think Kelly, as you were saying earlier about like user experience and to truly understand user experience, there's a level of empathy that takes place. There's a level of understanding. There's a level of asking questions and seeking to understand what people's real world and reality looks like. And how do you how do you weave yourself into that, right? Because you can't just force people to do what you want them to do. It's how do you meet them where they're at? And I think that's a huge part of this. And because of that, we always have to be understanding what the next thing is and always learning not only about what's happening in marketing, but also what's happening in the world and how do we how do we take that and leverage that? And it's all about people, understanding people, I guess, is how I probably could have summed that up. <laughs> I mean, even more than anything right now, I feel like marketers have had to pivot. Like with everything that's going on with the current climate and the pandemic, like we've had to, I mean, if we're the communicators for an organization, then we've had to figure out how to communicate in different ways and what is resonating with people. I recently sat in on a workshop that was talking about, I mean, the times of days that people are opening emails and the type of emails they're opening based on the keywords, like all of that is changing right now. Like anything that you used to know has been thrown out of the window and it's kind of setting a new standard. Granted, this isn't going to be a standard forever. It's eventually going to probably pivot back um but it's like we're constantly having to ebb and flow and be really flexible with what's happening in the current climate i think that that tails right into um our reason number four experiences and how 
we've had to do this shift and we've had to kind of figure out how to market during this time. So that kind of leads into like, what are people experiencing in the moment? How are we navigating that marketing world? I mean, I think we believe in creating positive, impactful experiences. Um, I know I was reading something that said like content is king, but I'd love to say that like experiences are queen now. Like people remember really good and really bad and unusual experiences. And it's our job to figure out how to create those. Like someone could go and have a dinner and it could be more than just a dinner. Like it could be a culinary experience. Everyone wants a new, better, best experience. Like you're, we're no longer living in just a content world it's everything has to be an experience so you're like it's a I think they called it an experience economy and I know that there is a stat um that the younger generations are willing to um or they're asking for more experiences as like gifts like instead of for Christmas asking for like the newest I don't know like iPhone or whatever something like that new laptop um people are asking for like sporting event tickets or music festival tickets or something like that because they're looking for that experience element um, rather than something that's tangible which I think that's really cool and unfortunately experiences are something that's suffering right now but it'll come back around well and like in terms of experiences I think like often like when you think about b2b i think people think that experiences are more tailored to a b2c element and like how do you create experiences for the for one-off individuals instead of saying how do you create a collective experience for an industry or even that individual tailored experience when they come to a website or when they visit your booth or because i'm gonna be really honest like when you look at a trade show floor you see people in like polos and khakis with their white or black or navy blue tablecloth. And like, that's not an experience that someone, nobody's going to walk by that and say, oh, that that's interesting. I'm intrigued. I'm going to go talk to them. Like, it's just, how do you create something that people want to be part of and want to engage with? And that's something that we're super passionate about. And I promise we will do a bunch of episodes on events and our themes and share so many fun tips with you around event experience. And I think part of what, I guess that leads probably into reason number five here with community. Part of what I think all of us enjoy so much about our job is the ability to make an impact. And I think we've been able to do that by creating a community. Um, So, I mean, we've not only created a community for our clients and our prospects, but we've also created our own community for ourselves. Part of it is just finding your tribe. And I think that's why I enjoy my job so much is that this group of marketing ladies is my tribe and they really help make me shine. And I think that each of us kind of balance each other and makes each of us better. Um, I think we're all able to be more of our authentic selves with each other. And so we've really hit that layer of trust um, and psychological safety. And I know the older I've gotten, um, the easier it is to be authentic and true and genuine to myself. And sometimes we're goofy and silly and we, I'm, I don't know, even when we're in our early 20s or late 20s, we're starting birding hobbies, but we're okay to admit that, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was in my early 20s, Sarah. <laughs> I do too. I'm late. No, way far past that. So never mind. 
But one of the things that's interesting, and we're actually going to dive into it in this episode in probably a couple minutes around some of the the core values of our team and what helps us operate. But it's really all about that circle of trust. So it's not only creating a circle of trust for those that you serve, but I think our inspiration for the podcast was really how do we help build a community where some of these people who speak our language and understand um, the value that we're trying to share with marketers and feel the same way we do, how do we bring those people together? Because um, we want to meet, we think there's more people like us out there and we want to meet you. Um, and we want to hear your thoughts as well. So um, I think that's definitely part of um, a big reason for creating this. Yeah, whether you're a one person, five person or plus team. I mean, we are lucky to have five people. I know we are a small team. We are very efficient with our time. And, you know, we we fill each other's voids. Like Sarah said, we we trust each other and we kind of we know what personality traits um, each of us have. And we try and build on our strengths and fill our weaknesses. And so that's something that I think as a team, we've done really well to mesh together. So I definitely recommend if you're listening to this to kind of try and see what your team is like and how you, what you value, what you think is important. All of those one person marketing teams out there are like five people, you're not a small team. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, But we're like, no, we know people who have 40 person teams. That's what we're talking about. So if you are a one person team, I would love to hear like, or did I say smaller one, per one person? If you're a one person team, we'd love to hear from you and just understand kind of some of the challenges that you face and what does that look like? And if you're a 40 person team, like I have to imagine there's a set of unique challenges that come into play for you. Um, I'd be really curious to know what those are. I, I, I like, I, I don't mean to speculate, but I feel like communication and working in silos would be a big challenge for a team of that size. Um, but again, that's not just speculation. I feel like we're we're a team of five, and while it seems like we could definitely use a lot more people to help us out with some things, I think five is a good number to help us mesh well, and we all get along well, and we pick up each other's, you know, slack if we need to, or we jump in wherever they need help. I think once you start getting to higher numbers, like forty or so, that would be really hard to have everybody be so cohesive. I agree. Maybe that's, Kelly, I think you teed us up perfectly to jump into like why we maybe work well as a team and what are some of the things that we have adopted as a team to help us get to that point. Because I don't think these things like happen overnight. Like like we mentioned before, when Paige joined the team, we were kind of like, oh, what's Paige doing over in the corner? Does she even like us? I don't know. Like, And now here we are, right? So how did we get there? And I think all of it comes down to settling on the fact that we all have the same vision and goals and values of how we get to that vision. Um, so we actually created a set of team values that are separate from, we still live by and hold very close and near and dear to us our company's core values but we felt that as a team, it made sense for us to have our own set to kind of say, how do we operate as a team and how do we find success? And what's our expectation for interacting with one another? Um, so enter our marketing core team values. Um, I do want to say, first and foremost, our team tagline. I, I always think of Sarah when I say this tagline. I don't know why. <laughs> like, I think it's because of the happy little bubbles. 
But our team tagline is we are happy, shiny people, sparkle, baby, sparkle. So our first value that we put into place and agreed upon as a team is check, uh, is called check your ego team first. Um, the statement that we put together is each individual's growth contributes to the success of the team. Therefore, challenging each other and providing feedback is welcomed, encouraged and valued within the circle of trust. You want to be in the circle of trust. This um. Truly, rem- truly reminds me of a time where I was telling um, a couple of our friends that we were out to dinner. I, I think we had just had an offsite meeting that day, and um, I was telling them about what we do at the offsite, where we do our professional development in the morning, and we have this uh, start, stop, and continue as one of the professional development pieces that we do. Um, so it's where we all re- like get in a circle and we write down like that each person can doing, stop doing, and continue doing. And um, they were like, well, why would you want to do that? Like, like, what do you mean? Like, someone tells you, like, what you're doing wrong? And, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like that would make me really angry. But when you check your ego and, like, you put your team first and you have psychological safety with your team, like, it's not like, no one's like taking a dig at you. Like we're making each other better. So like, well, they couldn't understand why we were doing that. I couldn't understand why they wouldn't want to do that. Like you, what do you mean? Like you don't want to get better? Like, how are you going to better yourself if no one's like helping you, like and, like giving you suggestions and things like that? Um, so that's what I always think of when I think about um, this value and um, that psychological safety that we've built as a team. <laughs> Um, Katie, I think one part of that is like understanding each other's strengths and weaknesses because like, I'll be the first one to admit, like there are some real weaknesses that I have that all of you guys help fill the void for. And I can lean on you for that. But like, I first have to be willing to admit that it's a weakness and that I need help. And I think that's where some of that ego piece comes in, like checking your ego. It's okay to ask for help and it's okay to understand that, you're not going to be good at everything. And we all have to depend on each other to make stuff happen. Um, I will add to, I was a team of one before I moved on to the marketing team. So I am all for a team mentality of helping others where it needs to, so that we can all grow together. Cause it was really hard to be the best that I could be as a one person team and not having ideas to bounce off and things like that. So I appreciate being able to come in and have a team effort. It's always a good thought to just, you know, understand that no one really goes into battle on their own. Otherwise, there would be no battle. It would be a really short war at that point. (laughs) Welcome to the wolf pack, Kelly. (laughs) Thank you. Welcome to the, did you say welcome to the wolf pack? Yeah. I love it. We said Kelly was a lone wolf at one point. So now she has joined our wolf pack. Uh, speaking of wolves, our next one is cut the fluff. Wolves are fluffy, right? Maybe. Um, <laughs> but we said we're not the fluffy marketing team of decades past. Uh, the things we spend our time on should be adding value and striving towards company goals. And if they don't, then we shouldn't be doing them. I am a big advocate of this one. All right. So when we say we aren't a fluffy marketing team, I think we kind of mean things like, When we buy swag, we put a lot of thought into if it's going to add value. We probably aren't going to be that booth at an event that has a bunch of like 
stress balls or like things of that sort. Um, we're really passionate about our swag and we try to put a lot of thought into it. Like, is this going to get used? Is this adding value somehow? Or are we going to see this in the trash can at the end of the event? I think it makes it easy to say cut the fluff being a team of five to make sure that you're focusing on the things that are important. Don't just do something to do it or because your competitor's doing it. You want to make sure that you are focusing on the right things and having data to back it up as to why you're doing those things. We love data. <laughs> <laughs> And I think a lot of it comes down to asking why. Like Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, is on my next up to read, next to read, I don't know, book. Anyways, um, just because everything you do, you should be asking yourself why you're doing it and how it's working and what results it's producing. You shouldn't just be doing it just because we've always done it that way. I think that sentence alone makes my blood boil. Like when you hear someone, they're like, well, we just always done it that way. And I'm like, unacceptable. We're not going to do that just because of that. Um, so I think it's just really coming down to questioning why you're doing things and actually going back to like, what is the goal that you're trying to accomplish? Because sometimes you can accomplish things multiple ways and it doesn't have to be how you've always done it. Yeah, and I think none of us have ever twiddled our thumbs. We always have things to do. We're always having to reprioritize things because we have too much work. So if we're going to cut the fluff, we're going to cut things that aren't working and we're going to focus on the ones that are. And when we say working, we mean like producing results. Like when Sarah mentions goals, we're talking about in the world of marketing, that's generating leads, helping get demos. It's actually contributing to that bottom line whether it's building the community, educating, however you're getting them into that pipeline. And some things aren't going to have an immediate effect, but it's about playing that long game to say, how do we get to those goals and how do we actually produce results? Which I think is a good segue into our next team value, which is you are the solution. So you are empowered to solve problems and everything that you do should ultimately be helping someone solve a problem, whether it's a prospect, client, or internal team member. And yeah. just so everyone's aware, since like in our play or in our core value there, the R is capitalized. You are the solution. Like we really wanted to emphasize, em <sighs> now I can't talk. Uh, we really wanted to emphasize that because it truly is about you taking ownership and control. And we like to focus on data. Um, we want to use data to back our decisions. Some companies make very expensive decisions without any data whatsoever. Um, and we don't really understand how you're going to be successful if you don't know if you're solving a problem. So we like to use the data to figure out if that is, what we're doing is actually worth our time, worth our money, our marketing dollars, essentially. And I think like sometimes you don't have to make the big changes. Like we always push ourselves to just be 1% better. I think one of the things that still sticks with me to this day is when I first joined the marketing team, they had a grid on a whiteboard and they were tracking, I think it was the number of maybe new contacts. I don't know, Charlotte, you might have to correct qualified, me. About. Qualified prospects? Contact, okay, maybe that. Something, there was, it was something like that, yeah, okay. years ago. They would mark the number and they were just trying to incrementally get more more every I think it was every week it was measured but it was just this like very graphical representation of just like the small things add up over time um and sometimes I mean you have to figure out how to work smarter not harder to get that stuff done 
Um, but I think one of the biggest things is just trying to figure out how else you can do that and how else you can solve problems. Um, I think one of the things that always burns me up is when another team comes into our room and kind of complains and then we're like, yeah, but like, what could you be doing? Or how could you solve that problem? Or did you, did you Google that? <laughs> because those are real questions that I think you can find some of the answers that you're looking for. You're not the only person who's ever tried to solve that problem in general. Um, and so there is a lot you can find out there from other people and resources. I now have our t-shirt idea, guys, for that we're going to make with our crickets. <laughs> it should say, did you Google it? <laughs> like, we'll just be able to wear them and show them our shirt like did you google it go figure it out I learned the phrase work smarter not harder from my 11th grade chemistry teacher he when we had to like memorize the periodic table he was like work smarter not harder basically he was saying like there are ways for you to learn this and ways for you. it was the most like failed class in my high school and he was like, there are, are ways for you to pass this class and you have to work smarter, not harder. And I was like, hmm. And I always think of that when I see that term, um, because I think it's it's true. Like, just because to solve a problem doesn't mean you have to put in more hours. It doesn't mean you have to, like, bend over backwards or kill yourself. There's always going to be some way to say, how do we approach this differently from a different angle? And I think marketers are very well equipped to do that and be a team to kind of lead that in an organization. Right. And right. I think. That means that if it's realizing when you are not good at something or you are not the expert, like if you have a marketing budget, leverage that to hire contractors or freelancers to make up time where you don't have any time. So I think like I've heard Paige use this example before, like if I'm trying to put together a PowerPoint that's not really like my specialty, like making it all like designed and like look very professional. She's like, Katie, just send it to me. Like what you are probably spending two hours on, like she could do in 10 minutes. And that's okay if that's not within your organization. Like we don't have someone that's like, um, like a writer or like a PR specialist on our team. So like we outsource things like press releases and like lengthy white papers and things like that because we know we're not good at it and using our budget to have someone else or have an expert do it is much more efficient than us struggling through it. Well and it's interesting when you say that Katie because one of the things that I always think about is like who are the experts in what and just because we are the solution doesn't mean that we have to be like the person actually doing it we have to be the idea or the thought behind it and have to be the one to put it in motion exactly. and we have to be the expert in the area that we're trying to solve for versus like we don't have to be the expert in how to write it but we need to be the expert to make sure that it's communicating what we need it to communicate and that it's communicating and accomplishing the goal that we need it to and that i think is a very nuanced difference but i think it makes all the difference i think one of the other things is when you are the solution it's hard not to get caught up in not getting confused about your priorities too like especially when you're a small team you can't get distracted by shiny objects which are fun but we also lead them down this like wormhole sometimes and then it becomes like your priorities become muddled and you become confused. And unless anyone else has anything they want to contribute, I feel like we can segue to Imagination Station because that's full of shiny objects. 
We love yeah. shiny objects, but they're not good for us. <laughs> no. I mean, shiny objects are fun. So our next uh, value is imagination station. We like to think we're not your average marketing team. And we expect to stand out from the crowd and think big and bring fresh ideas to fruition. But I mean, not everything that you do has to be original. Um, there's so many unique people and ideas out there. Like you can really take what you see and apply it to your product and your team's circumstances. You kind of have to figure out how to make it your own. And one of the things that we love to do is brainstorming. Like we get together, we gather around a whiteboard and so many good things can come out of that. Um, typically we gather around a specific challenge and you just kind of let yourself run with it. Like not all of your ideas are going to be top notch and you have to be okay with that. But typically we can guarantee that something good is going to come out of it. Um, you just have to keep looking for those little gems that you can latch on to and keep asking yourself why, and then drilling down a layer deeper until you get to the root of the challenge or the issue. Um, I know one of the things that we've done as a marketing team that's kind of set us apart from our predecessors, because we're not really the first marketing team that our company has seen, no, is yeah. um, kind of the way that we do events. So we, they used to show up to them with just like a tablecloth and a pull-up banner, and we don't just do that anymore. Um, we try to outdo ourselves and create a theme, typically because that makes it fun, and B, it makes it easier when you try to move things from one event to another. So just for an example, we've had some fun themes in the past where we've talked about um, like tropical smoothie bars when and we've had flamingo cups or we've done a custom campfire song to help close out an event or live screen printing stations. And I don't know if you've had a cool live experience, we'd love to hear from you because we're always looking for new ideas and inspiration. Your goal at an event should be for other vendors to come up to you and say like, oh, I love your booth. This is so cool. This is so fun. My booth is boring because that definitely happens because a lot of times these people get sent to a trade show and they're just the salespeople. They're just putting up their banners, doing what the marketing, like working with what the marketing team sent them. And we actually believe that having somebody on site at these kinds of things is very important because it does require that marketing touch and element. And um, but that should be your goal to have those other vendors come over and wish that they had your booth. And like hearing some of these ideas, you might be thinking to yourself, like, how can I incorporate flamingo cups at my event? And we'll dive into that deeper in another episode. But truly it works and I think it comes down to the people that you have on site like they just have to own it like you can't do something you can't do like a theme and like kind of like be half in and half out like I feel like the people that are there really have to own it um so they really got to be on board but you can get them there I promise you can and we'll teach you how um but one of the coolest things I remember about those flamingo cups is that people around the event, like it's a huge event that this was at, I remember it very vividly. People were like, where did you get that flamingo cup? Like, I want a flamingo cup. So like, can you tell me where you got it? So that was driving more people to our booth because they really wanted that flamingo cup. So we have a lot of crazy ideas like that and we're really excited to share them with you. And I just wanna to add too that just dream big, like have the, whatever thoughts that you can have come out to play 
because it might not actually be something that you can get to right now, but you can chip away at that and make that your goal that you can get to. I know with what I'm working on right now, I have this idea of where I can see it going, but it doesn't actually exist in the world today of how I want it to play out. But I can take little pieces of that and I'm chipping away. And hopefully by the time that I get to the point where I can put it all together, there will be a tool of what I want out there. But also at the same point, if you're going slow and steady, you're just kind of chipping away, chipping away, and you can make your way to that end goal. Well, and on that same token, Kelly, of like dreaming big, throw all the crazy ideas up there because not only because you might not be constrained by the fact that like it doesn't necessarily exist or work right now but you might also be constrained by things like budget or you know just like is this even feasible for us to pull off and it might not be but if you start with that big vision you kind of start backing it down a little bit and you say oh well maybe we can do that big vision in this type of way and it gets you thinking a little bit more creatively and really saying like well how can we actually accomplish that and gets you asking the questions like sarah was mentioning and like so don't limit yourself in those early stages of figuring out how you make kind of a splash there's always going to be different environments and different things will work in those different environments there's something to be said about dreaming big for sure i think that segues though we say dream big but we also said work slow and do it right so i think that goes into our next one of be the tortoise um we say if we're going to take the time to do something we're going to do it right quality matters slow and steady always wins the race and I know when I interviewed for my position, um, Charlotte actually asked me about our website at the time and said what my thoughts are. And instead of saying, oh, this is great, no feedback, I actually said why I would redesign it. And little did I know, I think that's exactly why I was maybe hired. I don't know, Charlotte. Pretty much. Um, Yeah. And we redesigned. What was that? I knew it was terrible. We've actually redesigned the stupid thing probably four times in the last couple of years because we didn't do it right. We hired a firm. We didn't, it didn't actually give us the right data that we wanted. It didn't have the right communication. So we redid it. Then we learned some more things. So we have just learned as we've gone and we've been the tortoise. Well, and right now, Sarah, I know Sarah and I are reading this book. Um, for anyone else who's read it, um, I'd be really intrigued to hear your thoughts. I, I We're reading uh, The Infinite Game, which is Simon Sinek's new book, and maybe kind of new now, it's not brand new. But anyway, it talks about doing the right things for the long term, because the way they state it is like, nobody wins at business. Nobody wins at marketing. Like nobody wins at those things. It's an infinite game and there's no winner. So playing, like taking it slow and steady sets you up for the long term and playing your long term strategy. And that also goes back to those shiny objects. The more you get distracted by those shiny objects, the less you're gonna be playing the infinite game. And the more you focus on what your competitors are doing and how they're doing things, don't get me wrong, like that's really important, but how does that impact your game? And in reality, you might tweak a few things, but it really shouldn't change up your long game that much. So in terms of the long game, we've really been honing our content management process for the last five years. Um, I mean, it started with Charlotte and I writing our blog post, and we were not very good at it. Hence, we oh, hired oh. An, a contractor to do it. They were very short, 
And I would say they're very sweet, but I'm not sure they are. They probably don't exist on the current version of the website. I think Paige may have nixed them when she updated some of the blog posts because they were that bad. So just know that some of your stuff isn't going to be great in the beginning, kind of like this podcast. This is our first episode, if you can't tell. We're still working on honing our long game here. And I think things will get better with time. Um, We kind of tweaked our process so that we – um, did interviews and then we had those interviews transcribed and we turned those into blog posts which then got turned into webinars and then we've used those for speaking of um, speaking proposals and speaking sessions at events and then we pull out little snippets of that and share those on social so it's kind of been this whole cycle that we've built throughout um, many, many years. And this didn't exist in the beginning. Like webinars were very painful to put together at first. And we're going to have another episode on webinars in the future because we've definitely learned a few things while doing those. It's slow iterative processes and making it just like one, that 1% better every time. Steal and use the things you've already created. So we just have to make sure like we'll create a blog post and then we have to use it for webinars or for speaking social speaking events because you can't just create it and then never share it in a vacuum or anything like that. And I think the most important thing there is like you, it doesn't always have to be your own content, right? It can be stories of what other people are doing or examples. And like one of the ideas that I think we leverage a lot is use case studies in a different way. Like don't case studies don't have to be you like an example of an organization using your solution. It could be an example of an organization doing the things that they should be doing to be successful really, really well. And then how does that tie back to your product or your solution? And how does that help others be successful to get to the point where they need your solution? So I think you can get creative and you can take other people's I don't want to say steal other people's ideas, but you can steal those ideas and thoughts and share them out in a way that's valuable to help others, um, to educate others, because that's where you're going to find success and add value and become a thought leader. And because it took us so long to get here, that's one of the main reasons reasons we wanted to start this podcast. Like, So it took us five years to find this cycle, but we're hoping that we can save you a lot of time by sharing it with you now. And If you've already been in your role for a long time and you still haven't figured it out, well, we are here to help you and we hope that you can take part of our process and apply it to um, your own. And it's pretty crazy because what you may not know yet is that Sarah and Katie work in two different markets. We've built this process in one market and now we're bringing it to the other market. So it's saving us a ton of time and energy because we're able to repurpose that process and even some of the content and bring it over to that other market. So it's saving a ton of time um, internally. It's almost as if magic is happening. Whoa. (laughs) Thanks, Kelly. I think that leads us to our final value, which is unicorn magic, which sounds very silly. But we work hard and we play even harder. And collaboration and making magic happen is exciting and fun and always worth celebrating. So I don't know about you guys. I love unicorns. I think the rest of the team does too. And we try not to take ourselves too seriously. Um, Life is about balance and you can't work all the time and not play. Otherwise, it won't end well. I'm seeing like a mental breakdown in your future if not. But um, I guess one of the things about this is that when – When marketing is done well, it's like magic. 
It's super smooth. It's not salesy. You don't even know you're being sold to. And that's what we and everyone should strive for. But the other thing is too, like it's not just about making it seamless and, but it's truly about like being authentic because you don't want to be like this fake facade that's out there right like, like a horse with just a horn taped to its head yes yes <laughs> yes you don't want to be the horse with the taped on horn you want to be a real unicorn so like find that authentic piece in you and your organization and bring that to life and because just because you're the voice behind a business or a corporation or whatever it is doesn't mean that you can't have personality and doesn't mean that you can't be authentic and be real because that's what's going to drive connection and that's what is going to make people gravitate towards you and it's what's going to make you successful. Um, so I think we, of all of these, I think this is one that we really believe in um, because it's it's about being you. And so that was the last of our core values that we wanted to share with you. Um, so we feel like we've probably been talking for a while now and it's time to give you some actionable takeaways. Um, so one of the first things that I think we'd like for you to think about is what makes your marketing team unique and what makes your team work? Actually take the time to write it down and think about those special features that are unique to your team. And if you are a one person team, think about what makes you unique. And I think in addition to that, take the time to write down what do you value as a team? Because that's where you'll start to really tease out, are you focusing on the right things? Do you value each other's time? Do you value feedback? Do, what is it that you value that sets you up for success? Or what are the things that you guys seem to be valuing that might not be the right things and might be holding you back? Start writing those down and even work as a group to do it if you have, um, if you have multiple people and you're not just the one person team. And think about who you surround yourself with. In a future episode, we'll talk about personalities and how your strengths and weaknesses can kind of fill each other's voids on the team. But Katie mentioned earlier that we do offsites and we kind of share feedback very, very honestly as a team. And so who you surround yourself and who builds yourself up and pushes you to be better is very important. And then I think the other key big thing we want you to walk away with is marketing doesn't have or B2B marketing specifically doesn't have to be boring think big, be creative. So really start spending some time reflecting on where do you get your inspiration? You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like it's okay for you to shamelessly steal ideas and translate those ideas in a way that makes sense for your organization and makes sense for your goals and the results that you're responsible for. So really spend some time thinking about where that comes from and how you can get more of it. In a future episode, we'll actually dive into how you can kind of shamelessly steal at events that you attend and become translators, or translators put them into your own events or conferences, trade shows, whatever it is. Um, so stay tuned for that one coming up soon. And remember that marketers do add value. You are trying to solve real problems and you're trying to use data to do so. So make sure that you know what your problem is before you get started and that you have some data to back it up. That's the easiest way to get other people on your side. And then slow and steady wins the race. And also to work hard, but play even harder. Well, the last thing we wanted you to do was don't forget to take the wine quiz and share with us whether or not you agree or disagree with the wine that BuzzFeed assigns you. We'll be sure to drop the link in the description. 
So last but not least, make sure you go listen to our next episode, which we're going to be doing a breakdown of an event that we attended called Create and Cultivate. And we're going to be sharing with you some of the inspiration we took from it, both on the side of things that we want to do and replicate in a way that makes sense for our business, and also in a way that maybe we wouldn't, and some things that we would change and alter in order to make it successful. So until next time, thank you for listening to the Wine and Whiteboards podcast, and cheers. Thanks for listening to the Wine and Whiteboards podcast. For show notes, links, templates, and other resources, visit our Instagram page at Wine and Whiteboards podcast. And while you're there, follow us to get more hacks and occasional wine-themed humor. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you would take a minute to leave a review. And don't forget to subscribe so you can continue listening to our marketing tips and design tips.